0: Hi, this is Jeanette Cremore, or you may know me as JC. Welcome to Laugh Learn Lead, a podcast show that helps project sponsors, project managers and their teams shape their project success stories. I'll be sharing interviews that bring a different perspective to what project success looks and feels like as well as unpacking our conversations to provide insights and practical tips. Stay tuned and enjoy. Hi listeners, in this episode I catch up with Karen Ferris, self-professed organisational change management rebel with the cause. She is acclaimed internationally as an author and speaker with industry acknowledgement of her reputation as a thought leader. She provides both strategic and practical advice and insights to her audiences. We talk about her background in IT and now as a trusted change leader, why she wrote her book Game On, why we need change management in all projects, what can we each of us do to make a difference And what she enjoys most working with her clients. Karen's ability to share her experience and knowledge ensures that everyone is empowered to make a difference. I'm so excited. Um, I met her at a dinner, um, a networking dinner, and I was so intrigued by her story and what she's um, doing to help her clients. Um, Welcome, Karen. Um, Can you share with us a little bit about your career? And I know you are a trusted go-to change leader.
1: Yeah, thanks, Judith. I'm excited too. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So yeah, I'm an organizational change management um, consultant, um, KarenFerris.com, and, but my background primarily um, was IT service management. Um, so I made a fundamental pivot about nine years ago. Um, but when in IT service management, which is all about process improvement around IT, I always had a people focus. I was, you know, a a manager, a team lead, um, trainer, educator. So I always had that focus. So I was was always helping people transition through change, but never called it organizational change management. And it was back in 2010 that I became an accidental author. And, um, what started out as a white paper turned into a book, um, around organizational change. It was called Balanced Diversity, a portfolio approach to organizational change. And that's really what sort of forced me, if you like, into the organizational change management space. Um, so I've just written my second book, um, Game On this year. Um, which we'll probably talk about, Um, and if people look at my LinkedIn, I've got a tagline that says, Organizational Change Management Rebel with a Cause, and that's because I like to sort of push the boundaries of the industry and challenge the organizational change professionals um, to look at things a bit differently and, you know, question why we're doing things the way we're doing them, and Change Management Institute Victoria last year they have a um they're doing it again this year what they call a kudos dinner so people get awards for contributing to the community etc and I got the what they call the rebel award for the person breaking all the rules to make things better for all so um that was <laughs> I love that, that. Was nice. I
0: absolutely yeah. love it, that oh that's awesome
1: yeah so I work with all sides of the organizations and industries and really focusing on organizations that you know, are facing constant change, it's volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex, it's it's ambiguous, and trying to help them improve their organizational change management capability, um, increase the resilience of the workforce in the face of constant change, and helping leaders to be adaptive to changing situations, and um, also helping leaders move from a environment of command and control to one of uh, delegation and trust.
0: Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, your background um, was in IT service management, you know, that process improvement and systems. Mm. Do you think that you understand what these leaders are going through because you've actually been on the floor with the workers trying to get them to get the best out of themselves and the systems they had, what kind of... And I know you said you're an accidental author. I love that um, (laughs) because I have on my to-do list is to write my book and so hopefully I accidentally um, become an author as well. But um, why is it that you think that you so understand that change arena? Uh,
1: I think having, as I said before, always having that people focus and seeing how... You know, I don't actually believe people resist change. People talk about resistance to change. I think people resist change when it's done to them, as opposed to done with them. And I think we often forget that you know everyone's different. We have different audiences. We have to have different, the same message, but um, exchanged in a different way to meet the needs of the audience. Use different channels. And I think, and I see people struggling with it because the message doesn't resonate with them, or, you know, it's the wrong level, or it hasn't addressed the what's in it for me. And I think leaders, you know, the time, you know, the time is 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 difficult, And but unless we take the time to, you know, hone those messages and engage with our workforce and have that two-way dialogue where people can ask questions... Um, then that's when we have changes that just don't get embedded and we don't get the return on investment from, from projects.
0: Mm, mm. Now, you mentioned um, your second book, Game On, Tactics to mm. Win When Leading Change is Everyone's Business. Tell me a little bit about that book and what inspired you to write that one.
1: Yeah, so I started writing a series of um, of, of blogs and then realised that I probably had... A good portion of a book on my hands. Um, and I wanted to write it because we are facing like a new era of disruption. People talk about digital transformation, and I'm sick of hearing about it. We've been transforming for a long time. So transformation, I don't think is a a new thing, but I think disruption is. I think all industries are feeling the disruption that they've not felt before, due to you know technology robotics, artificial intelligence, globalization, um, increased customer and consumer demand um, and change. So change is getting faster and we can't predict where it's coming from now. It's a bit like trying to predict the weather, you know, it's, we can't control it. It just comes out of nowhere sometimes. And I believe that's what we need is a resilient workforce that embraces that, that that is our new, you know, I, I say changes, constant changes, a new black. It is what it is. And it's not going to go away. Um, and I started the book, well, I started the blogs with an analogy. And I use the soccer analogy because I'm from Liverpool in the UK. So I have to, you know, but it could be, um, it could be any field game. But I sort of talk about the coalition of players, coaches and managers. And if you think about players on a team, every week, the game they play is different. The pitch, the weather, the location, the supporters, the opposition, the tactics, even the position they're playing um, could be different than the previous week. And even during the game, things can change. They can change position. Um, the opposition can change tactics, et cetera, et cetera. And The players don't resist the change. They say game on, hence the title of the book. Um, and they just embrace it and get on with it. And that's the t- that's the workforce that we need, just like that, that team. So um, I talk about, the managers being our organizational change management professionals that we have in the organization. And you know, Jeanette, we probably have, you know, maybe one or two, if we're lucky, <laughs> those people yes. in, in the organization yes. and people point at them and go, Oh, that's them. They're the change people. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'm saying is they need to step back and start to strategize about how we create that resilient workforce. And, build an effective network of change, what I call coaches. we traditionally call change agents or change champions and, and equip them and give them the capability to drive change and help people through change across the entire organization. And what a lot of organizations have done, and when I say this to people, they, they sort of smile and nod, um, is that we ask for people to volunteer to be a change champion they put their hands up, not really knowing what was be, going to be expected of them. And then we gave them a lanyard that said change champion on it. And that was it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> no capability, no skills, no training, no education. Um, and of course, nothing, nothing happens. So we really need to make sure they are the capable. So that's the analogy that sort of flows through the book, the players, the coaches and the managers. Um mm-hmm. And then it's all about how do we get rid of that slow and bad bureaucracy um, that so many organizations have. So I talk about kill the hierarchy. So some of the things I say are meant to be provocative. You know, I'm not talking about having no hierarchy. There are organizations that don't have any and are very successful, but that's a big jump. Um, but we need to look at, you know, the the, the slow decision making that has to go up a chain of command and back down again. Because by the time the decision's made in our fast world of change, the world's moved on. You know, the opportunities missed or the problems just blown up in our faces. Um, and we need leaders to, well, I say, get out of the way. Just let people get on and do the job. Give them guidance, of course. Give them pre- parameters in which to operate. But we can't micromanage, you know, it's just not going to be fast enough. We're not going to be in, um, innovate and create and do all the things we need to do in this era of disruption. Um, so I talk about organizational change management, having to now operate at the cadence with which products and services are being delivered. So being faster and more nimble, more flexible. Um, and I also talk about new tools for a new age, about you know, no longer can we do the thirty-page comms plan and the thirty-page training plan and the thirty-page reinforcement plan, and then say to the project, "Right, we're ready." Well, yeah. as I said, the project's gone. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. we need plans on a play page that can be, you know, changed at the drop of a hat, that evoke conversation, are clear and transparent.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that, and and I'm a big sport person. Um, people listen to my podcast will know that. I'm, talk a lot about sports so I love the for your reference to Liverpool now mm. just just to correct my ignorance is that the red and white team that is correct yeah okay so I do have the right team in my head Red that's, and,
1: that's the red right and white. team and it's the one that's top of the league at the moment oh are they
0: oh okay <laughs> 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 yeah and so I get the your analogy and your metaphors around you know game day and how things can change and and unless you you know skill up your team to have clear roles and responsibilities and confidence they can't adjust on game day they're still looking for other people to lead them and and like you said it's now everyone's business
1: absolutely yeah yeah and it's making sure that, you know, it's like you say, it's really good. You know, game fit, game ready. What resources do these people need? What tools, what education, what training? How do we make sure that the teams physically and mentally fit to play the game and win?
0: Yeah. Mm, mm. And you just also referenced something that I kind of just gets my heart going of, not again, Um These people that volunteer, they want to actually get involved in projects. And so they, like you said, they put a lanyard around them and say, oh, they're a change agent, then walk away and leave them to, you know, just scramble, cope, fall over, whatever. Mm. But why do we need change management in projects, Karen? Like you you mentioned that we have to go from that old traditional 30 page comms plan Mm. and that. But in your mind, what is the benefit of change management in projects?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I often say to people, and I probably read it somewhere, so I'm not claiming it's mine, but I often say projects install change. Organizational change management implements the change. So organizational change management is ensuring that the people side of whatever the change is is, is addressed so that everyone understands why the change is being made, why we're then going to do something differently, why we've got a new service or a new product, why we're changing the process, why we need to have new technology. They actually get it. And it's about, as I said earlier, it's doing change with people, not to them. So we need to have that engagement and the ongoing dialogue and the opportunity for people to ask questions. You know, why are we doing? What does that mean to me? Is my role going to change? You know, am I going to have to, use some new technology and how am I going to be trained and how am I going to learn that so it's having those ongoing conversations and often I hear you know I shouldn't call them leaders managers or execs in an organization said well we sent them an email and told them and I'm like well that's not communication that's broadcasting Um, that's just making an announcement no one's going to get it from that so um, it's about Bringing—it's a bit of a cliche—but bringing people along on the journey, getting their buy-in, making sure that the change is embraced and adopted, um, that we meet people's needs, and it's like I said earlier, it's about that engagement and that communication. Having to understand your stakeholders, understand the audience, and there's no cookie-cutter approach. You know, it's not one email is going to meet all the needs of everybody. Some people will want and to be engaged through different channels on a different frequency. The message needs to be honed for the different audiences. Um, and we need to make sure that they people have got the right resources, access to those resources and the tools they need. And the outcome is that the project gets its return on investment, that the whatever the change has been made, it's been adopted and embraced and it's being used. Because people, if they're not on the journey with you will often slip back to the old ways of working. We all like to be in our comfort zone. Um, and if we do that, then we're not getting, you know, the realization. And I talked to a, a lady about six months ago who works for a large retail organization and just said they just spent something like 4 million on a, some new technology that just wasn't being used. Mm-hmm. Um, people were still using the old technology because they obviously had obviously had trying to introduce it in tandem um, and nobody wanted to make the move because they just hadn't been engaged and had the communication of what the benefits were going to be of moving to a new platform so um, yeah 4 yeah. million dollars wasted
0: good so example yeah Sorry? good good example of that yeah um, and and I, and I find that you know projects all come with a budget um It'd be nice one day to be able to say, oh, actually, this is the change you want to um, implement. Here's the budget that I need to make it happen rather than the other way around. But anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) whole new topic, that one. Absolutely. (laughs) Projects, they seem to cut two things very quickly, and that is reporting and change management from their responsibilities if they've got tight budgets. And yet those two things, is like you said, are the bits that we need to realise the benefits of the investment in the first place. We need to know mm. what's changed. So we need that the, the data and the reporting to validate our benefit and we actually need the people to have changed, so we need the change. So it just mm. blows me away on um, why I see often, not always, but often that um, change management is not um, a highlighted activity. Like it should be... Yeah. For me, it yeah. should be acknowledged as a value add, not another admin task. Because I'm just. Yep. Yeah. And I love you said, you know, I sent an email and that's a broadcast. And it absolutely is so true. It is. It's, it's not a communication. It's kind of like I've sent you a notification and it's up to you mm. if you read it or not. You know, like how, yeah. many, how many times do we get notifications on our digital devices now? And, and I go, oh, yeah, I'll read that later or I'll just clear it i'm not even going to read it
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and one of the things organizational change needs to do on a constant basis is check back in to say has the message that we sent out being interpreted in the way we intended mm-hmm. so there's a constant check-in and validation and improvement because you know we can we can get it wrong and that's why we need to check in to say did you understand what that message was about did it resonate and we can hone our communications and engagement accordingly.
0: Mm. Yeah, got it. That's really Mm. good. Really, really good. Um, So what, like, getting back to you and trying to link your book, you know, it's everyone's business. Leading change is everyone's business. What can Mm. we do to make a difference? If we're in a project and we can be the business analyst or the technical lead, or the project manager, or even the project sponsor. Oh my gosh, that's my passion is to actually get mm. the project sponsor and project manager working better together. Um, but anyway, mm. that's another thing. What can each of us do to make a difference?
1: Buy my book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: I'll, I'll put the link.
0: <laughs> I'll put the link in um, my website so people know where to buy it from.
1: No, um, I think of all the things that we can we can do I think whatever role we're in is create an environment of psychological safety and that's a big phrase really making it safe for people to challenge the status quo to ask questions to come up with new ideas to say I don't understand or I think there's a better way of doing something without any fear of you know adverse repercussion or being you know slap down, but you know, that 's stupid, or whatever, so it 's been creating that safe environment, and because I think today, without that um, we 're not getting we 're not saying to people people are afraid of saying, why are we doing that because we 've always done it that way? Well, is there a better way of doing it because we need to be faster, we need to be leaner, um, we need to be flexible, we need to innovate, and the only way we 're going to get people to do that is um getting people to speak up the silence you get in you know meetings or workshops or whatever can be deadly because something's festering and somebody has a burning question they want to ask and they're just afraid to ask it um and psychological safety you know it's the foundation for real team productivity and high performing teams and i think we can all play a part um In creating that environment, and I'd say to people, check out the work of Amy Edmondson. Um, She's a Harvard researcher, and she coined the phrase psychological safety. And she's got some great short, little TEDx talks. Just you know, Google Amy Edmondson, Um, and her research. um, Many years ago, um, was in the health industry, and she and her team were trying to find out. Um, what made high-performing teams and one part of the research and there's a TEDx talk on this as well one part of the research she came up with that said the high-performing teams were making more mistakes than anyone else and she was like that can't be right (laughs) the data telling me one thing Mm. that doesn't seem right Mm. so they did look a bit deeper and it turned out that the high-performing teams were the ones that were talking about the mistakes Mm. they were surfacing them and saying this has gone wrong this is what we're going to do and they were they had that safety to say we didn't get it right we made a mistake what we're going to do better so it was just they were talking about it more so because they had that that safety to do so yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely and Mm. um and it's the language that we use i think in our conversations as well so some of the things that I talk about is no judgment. That if mm. um, if someone has a, an opinion, a view, an idea that they that they think will add value or will, like you said, challenge the status quo, allow yeah. them to speak, but also listen and don't have a comment on it. Just say thank you and then think about it and and understand where they're coming from. You know what was their background? Why do they think this is going to work? So don't always respond just listen to that and with no judgment is one of the key things I'm trying to teach project teams now on how we can make a difference is that non-judgment in collaboration that uh,
1: absolutely if you're, sitting,
0: conflict. Yeah, yeah. if you're sitting there or standing whatever in a room um, and you're in a workshop and you're always thinking about how you can respond or slam dunk that comment that's what I call it stop mm-hmm. because You're not listening. You're actually trying to, you're already judging and trying to have an opinion about that change and why it will or won't work. So that's kind of some of the things that I encourage people on. Just some basic things is um, no judgment and visual aids around the... the workplace, um, how many times have I been somewhere and they don't have butcher's paper or whiteboards or even glass, you know, with these new mm. pens that now write on glass and no one's brainstorming and there's no visual thinking of, you know, evidence. And I've gone, how can you be doing things differently if you don't have visual aids? Like, I don't understand that.
1: That's right. And um, we, need, we need to... Um Get people to do that, be that curious, you know, curiosity and be open and have courage and to challenge and stuff like that. And you, you're right. We're not, you know, nothing's going to change unless we create that, that environment. And when it's, when you get that environment, it, I, I, I say things like magic happens. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, and check out um, psycho, psychological safety works from a, a team called People Not Tech. Um and they've got some really good um tools and blogs and resources all around this space as well. So yeah, psychologically psychological safety works. Um mm-hmm. it's good stuff.
0: Okay, yeah. I'll put I'll put that link with this episode so that people can reference it. Mm. Um Thank you. Um yeah, no, uh, that's that's great. You uh I know you were um last week doing some workshops. Um programs you're you're out and about helping your clients what do you enjoy most like what what gets karen excited when she rocks up at at a client uh i think
1: i think it's seeing leaders and their teams you know embrace constant change as the new reality and understand that they need to focus on being resilient and i love the aha moment so one of the workshops I was running last week. I was talking about, I say, leaders getting getting out of the way and allowing employees to have the autonomy to achieve the desired outcomes the way they want to. Now, it's not management by abdication, but it's because you're still there to support. But it's giving them the freedom to do something their way within guidelines and principles, whatever you want. I call them guardrails. Um, And I see leaders going what you mean i've got to give up all my control um and they're a bit like the rabbits and headlights and i said well let's start with something small let's take a little initiative that you want to achieve and we'll give it to little johnny mm-hmm. and we'll have the conversation with johnny and we'll give johnny the this is the outcome we want this is when it's needed maybe this is the budget whatever and you know i'm here to support you let's agree to a check-in frequency um, and then just let little Johnny run. Mm. And amazing things happen. And you get that aha moment. The leader goes, I've got more time back because I'm not looking over Johnny's shoulder all day to see what he's doing. Um, the outcomes were amazing. He, Johnny's absolutely motivated, engaged, and has been far more productive than he's ever been. And great things are happening. And it's just that aha moment when, you know, start small because you say to leaders, Let go, and they see this big picture of anarchy and chaos, and it's like, Well, no, let's just break it down and start small. Um, and I, and you know, also took getting leaders to um, show that or be vulnerable, if you like. So you don't have to have all the answers, that's not what makes you a leader. A leader is, you know, motivational, inspirational, and people follow great leaders. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. That's why you have things called teams and people <laughs> who probably know more than you do because they're closer to the the front line or the, and the, they, they know the context in which things are happening. And you're not expected to know all those things. So um, that can be a bit of a, and it sounds obvious, can be a bit of a um, an eye-opener. Um, and then also creating... Those effective networks of change agents, organizations that have really taken on board the manager, coach, player. And it's not a massive change. They probably have that network of change champions, but they've just never equipped them. So I've done some workshops with organizations where I've given them the, the education, if you like, the tools and the resources that the agents can use. And they've just lapped it up because they've never been given anything before. And they've gone back. And it allows the change management professional, who was in the OCM office or whatever, the one or two people, to really start doing some strategy, and that's really awesome stuff as well. So recognizing, this, and you said it—you know—it's it's the job of anybody. Change is not in the heads of, a, in the hands of a few. You know, it's the job of many. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, a, a long answer to your question. I think it's just those aha moments, like, Yeah, God, that's so simple. Why didn't we get it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and for me, um, hearing you say that, haha, I think we well, I know I do. I struggle with my own aha moments as well. Cause I think sometimes when I break it down to be as simple as possible, that I'm um doing the client a disservice of, you know, treating them as um not not um with little intelligence but it's not it's actually Mm. because they're so caught up in the busyness of their business when you break it down into simple terms and to do like you said take one small initiative you're actually helping them what I call eat an elephant one slice at a time because they're just so overwhelmed on the big stuff that by breaking it down for them um, it's just helping them so that's yeah, what I love yeah. about working with with clients as well is that aha moment. And um, so, yeah, so thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, and we um, all have blind spots. I mean, we all sometimes just can't see the obvious, obvious you know. Um, and then when someone helps you, you go, oh, of course. Thank you. You know, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's a lesson for all of us is to um, find someone to actually have those conversations with. To so actually, and I call it, um, they can be your mirror, because sometimes when we talk or do things, we actually don't see or hear our own self. And so I always try and find a mirror that I can walk up to mm-hmm. and that's a person and just say, hey, can you check with me? I'm thinking about doing this, this, and this. Um, what do you think? And that's kind of, yeah, I like having those mirror people around me. So that... Um, absolutely, Yeah, so that we can have lots of aha moments together. Yep. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for your time, Karen. Um, I know that people will get lots out of your book, um, and I'll put a link up on my website, but how best can listeners get in touch with you if they want to understand a little bit more about the problems that you can help them with? What's the best way? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for that. You Karenferris dot karenferris.com is the website. So it was just karenferris, Ferris, no dots in, in between, KarenParis.com. Um And there's a whole series of blogs up there as well. Um, on the blog page, you can subscribe to the blogs. They, you don't get bombarded. You'll get an update to say there's a new one on a weekly basis. That's it. Um, and LinkedIn, I'm quite um, active on LinkedIn. So little videos up there, some articles and posts as well. So LinkedIn or KarenFerris.com to be the best way.
0: Mm. Well, thank you so much for your time. I've oh, really enjoyed you. talking to you. Um, like I said, when I met you at a networking dinner, I just went, oh, I need to know more about Karen. Um, what you shared across the dinner table that night was very inspiring. So thank you. And I know your clients get a lot out of working with you as well. So, Thanks, Jeanette. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening and I hope you have a few ideas to take action. I would love for you to rate and review the show. I too need feedback to learn. Cheers for now. Remember, a day without laughter is a day wasted.